Hello, and welcome to the Modern Dog Trainer podcast, hosted by myself, Ines McNeil, founder of themoderndogtrainer.net, where you'll find articles, downloads, courses, and coaching on the best practices for modern pet businesses. Be sure to add this podcast to your favorite listening list on Spotify or iTunes, and join our free discussion group on Facebook called Business Support by the Modern Dog Trainer. Hi, and uh, welcome to the Modern Dog Trainer podcast. My name is Zines McNeil, founder of the Modern Dog Trainer blog and podcast, and now coaching and courses. Um, I am really excited to have this guest here today. Um, It's particularly relevant to me, uh, unexpectedly, because um, I now also have a child and a dog, uh, or multiple dogs. Um, Not that the child was unexpected, but uh, (laughs) didn't expect to bring on a dog and parenting coach um, to the podcast at any point uh, when I started it. So um, welcome, Michelle. Um, Please uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know all about you. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I've been following you for quite some time, so it's kind of fun. I feel like I'm talking to a famous person, but um, I know, (laughs) you know, the internet's weird. Um, So again, my name is Michelle Stern. I'm the founder of Pooch Parenting. Uh, I specialize in supporting families who have kids and dogs or Mm. who are pregnant or who are adopting babies. Mm. I feel like the people who are adopting babies often get left out of this. and people don't ever remember them. And so I do. I adopted one child and had one child. So I just really want to make sure that I address anybody who's bringing a child home, regardless of how. Mm -hmm. Um, So the reason that I'm qualified even to do any of this stuff, it's sort of a weird niche, actually, is that I was a teacher. I taught for Mm -hmm. 16 years. I taught high school biology and environmental science for eight years. And then I founded and ran a cooking school for children and did that for another eight years. And I largely focused on teaching toddlers to cook, if you can imagine. Wow. (laughs) So it's not that far of a stretch, if you think about it, from toddlers and knives to toddlers and puppies. It's kind of the same thing. But the, the thing about it is that they both depend on a knowledge of child development and dog development, because mm-hmm. as you know, um, your kids are changing every step of the way. And just mm-hmm. when you think you have something nailed, they go and change. Like nap time suddenly stops happening or it changes in duration. So you can't be productive or whatever. And then dogs are constantly changing too at different stages. We have fear periods and all that kind of stuff. So um, I really can bring to the table my experience as a teacher, but I'm also a mom of two. Mm-hmm. And so I... I love both ends of the leash, right? I, I taught humans for 16 years. I love that part. I think it's great, but I also love dogs. And so now I've completely spun my career around and I'm now a certified professional dog trainer. I got my CPDT, um, I guess a little over a year ago. Awesome. And, um, and I, I really love behavior consulting. That's my favorite thing. Um, because I've always studied animal behavior. I studied it in college and it's just a really cool passion of mine. So helping families really understand the why before we talk about fixing stuff, like why is your dog barking? Why is your dog chasing your toddler? Why, 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 why? Um, But I can do it with heart. And that's the part that I love the most is that I feel that a lot of people who come to me have felt 
frustrated by their relationships or lack of relationships with other professional trainers. And a lot of professional trainers don't understand the subtle nuances of living with a tiny human and dogs at the same time. And so oftentimes their expectations for, for busy parents are unrealistic and they yeah. may expect a certain amount of compliance and practice and homework and all the stuff that literally just doesn't get done because they have zero time, right? Yeah. And so for example, I'm sitting here drinking my tea, right? And I talk to people about, okay, when you put your coffee or tea in the microwave to heat it up for the fifth time yeah. that day, because you never get to drink it cold, you know this, that when you put, I want you to have a cue, your training cue is when I put my tea into the microwave, that's the 30 seconds that I'm going to train my dog, mm. right? Because you have yeah. that 30 seconds. Yeah. So what can you do with your dog in 30 seconds, right? So I try to make things realistic, attainable, and then just try to give them as much heart and then virtual mm -hmm. hugs because it's all yeah. virtual these days as I can to say, you know what, you're not alone in this. Yeah. There's, there's other people. And then there's professionals, not very many of us, but there's a few that understand both sides. Right, right. So, Absolutely. That was a long-winded answer. Of I love I it. <laughs> That's totally cool. Um, no problem at all. Uh, and it's a good segue because I was going to go into um, some of those topics. So uh, we'll start with, um, like, what are some common mistakes you see new parents make with their kids and dogs? Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> I actually have a, a workshop coming up um, that that I decided to create a, this tiny little workshop based on some of the top questions I get. Mm -hmm. And so the workshop is called your first week home with baby and dog. There you go. Um, yeah. And you know, you see, you see a lot of misconceptions about, um, you know, you got to bring home the blanket from the hospital because if the dog smells the blanket, then the dog will like the baby. Right. Yeah. And, and I understand um, where, where that premise comes from. I think it's a really sweet, idea but if you really get into the science of it you know there's a very good chance that moms have little bits of amniotic fluid coming out for a long time mm -hmm. and it's not a new smell the smell of the baby <laughs> is not a new smell yeah and then i also like to to bring an analogy to that of like i don't ask to smell my son's friend's socks before they come over and hang out at my house that's not going to make me like them more right yeah. just like getting a whiff of something so there's a lot of misconceptions about you know, sort of wives tales or things you find on YouTube, these crazy videos of like how to introduce dog and baby. They're terrifying. I really recommend you do not watch those because oh, you'll get tons of new gray hairs like I've gotten recently. <laughs> um, but the idea of, of really challenging how people think about the relationship that they want their dog and baby to have and that they have an entire life to develop that relationship and they don't have to smush it all into the first 30 minutes that the baby comes into the new home. And yeah. so I, I want to sort of shift how they think mm -hmm. into that moment doesn't matter. And I, I would rather have you treat this like you're bringing home a bag of groceries, which is right. terrible to say because the new baby is like the most amazing thing in the world. But really to the dog, it's just another item you're bringing home for now. Right. And they have a lifetime as they both grow and develop to build these relationships. So um, my main thing that I wish that new parents would consider is really just how the dog feels. Mm. And can they read their dog so that they can tell if the dog is um, 
you know, is the dog feeling safe? Is the dog feeling comfortable? Does the dog mm-hmm. feel threatened? Is the dog acting predatory? You know, any of those kinds of things that can be life and death, but also can entirely shift the dynamic of the family moving forward. Totally. That's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, I've definitely had, you know, even uh, honestly, like a random stranger the other day at the park when I was walking my daughter around, he had a dog and he was like, mentioned something about, oh, you put the blanket from the baby and you give it to the dog. I'm like, okay, thanks, buddy. <laughs> God, I mean, could you just imagine what if the dog started to play with the blanket? Yeah. Then what if on it or something? Wrapped in the, but what if the baby's wrapped in the blanket? The dog plays with the blanket today because you're not there monitoring it. And then your newborn is in the blanket and the dog thinks it can play with it again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like that's a terrible idea. <sighs> so, you know, and then you have to get into the whole training of it, right? What is yeah. desensitization and counter conditioning and right? Yeah. All the stuff of like why it should work. And I'm not saying it doesn't, I'm not saying like, don't do it. If you want to do it, go ahead, do it. Mm-hmm. But it's really not, it's Make not the only answer to yeah. solving your life. The other huge yeah. mistake is that people wear rose colored glasses and they don't, um, they're not reasonable about their expectations that their dog is still a dog because right. their dog was their first baby. So they don't think their dog can do anything wrong. And so mm-hmm. as a consequence, they don't necessarily use gates and barriers appropriately and there's way too much trust yeah. which can then lead to really tragic consequences yeah yeah and i think as dog trainers we've all probably seen and heard of uh the worst that can happen so yeah, yeah we're all very sensitive yeah. about that and right. um it's a constant struggle i think with carefully articulating those concerns to uh your pet parents and your human parents <laughs> so they, they don't take offense to it. Um, right. So on that note, uh, how do you help set parents up to be successful in your training? That's a really good question. Um, a lot of it has to do with teaching them to recognize body language. Mm-hmm. So I do think that it can sort of make or break that the dynamic if you are able to recognize a stressed dog versus a relaxed dog. I think, I think that's one of the most important things that we can do. I also kind of, I joke about this, but it's true. And I'm sure you understand is I joke that I'm also part interior designer, which sounds ridiculous, (laughs) but I, I think it's very important that families literally set up their space, their physical space in such a way that they let's say get the dog used to what it's like to sit on the other side of a baby gate while you make dinner, or they get used to the idea that maybe sometimes they're on the other side of a baby gate while you're in the baby's room. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and then, and then getting dogs used to equipment and, you know, your new routines, a huge thing that's really important is to talk about where the dog and baby should be sleeping. Um, You know, you know, probably that recently there was a horrendous tragedy that happened during the night with a family where the two-month-old infant was killed by the family dog during the night. Oh, wow. Um, The baby was sleeping in a swing next to the parent's bed, and the family shepherd was also in the same room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't fully speculate as to what happened. I know that the parents were asleep and were therefore not supervising. And beyond that, you can speculate as much as you want that maybe the swing triggered the prey drive or maybe the baby had a startle response that I don't know. 
Right. That's not right. the point. The point is if you don't think ahead and practice getting your dog comfortable sleeping in a different space or practice your dog sleeping in a crate or in a pen. I mean, it all also depends on the size of your dog, right? right? Some dogs can jump a gate, some dogs cannot. So yeah, your chihuahua can still sleep in your room, but not on your bed. You know, it depends on where the baby sleeps. So yeah. there's a lot of transitions that have to happen before, yeah. before my baby is two weeks old and my dog is stressed, right? I would yeah. so much rather talk to people when they're pregnant um, or adopting when they're doing their paperwork and stuff. I would right. much rather help people before baby comes. Yeah. Um, but of course it's never too late to make a difference. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, you know, in an effort to maybe normalize that it's okay to separate your dog from yourself <laughs> and your kids, uh, you know, my dogs, we have a two-story house. My dogs, um, one of them sleeps in a crate. One of them sleeps in a bed, uh, downstairs. They do not sleep in our room. They do not even come upstairs. Um, and they never have just cause we have kind of steep stairs. We have an older house. So mm -hmm. it didn't make sense for a Corgi to go up and down the stairs. All oh the time. yeah. You know, so, um, just due to that fact, you know, they are separated from us. They don't sleep in the same room as us. They don't sleep in the same bed as us. Um, and then also, um, they're separated from, you know, my kid, like 95% of the time, unless, I'm, you know, I'm like happen to be walking her through the, the room that they're in, mm -hmm. uh, or we're just, you know, carrying her around the room that they're in. And so, because we just don't have the energy or the time or the desire to, uh, force them to engage with each other. There's no need for that. They engage right. plenty through the baby gate with, you know, she'll right. give them treats and <laughs> drop yeah. food for them from the high chair, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's, so. You know, I think, I think you have to also sort of counteract though people's preconceived ideas of mm -hmm. what this dog child relationship right. should be. Right. And so that's, that's, I think a really big challenge that as trainers it we is. have to face because people think that their dog and baby will be, but they'll be best friends, period. Right, right. And so when will that start? I want it to start right now. So I'm going to start laying the baby on the dog to take pictures and I'm going right. to start doing all these things. And, you know, and there's a difference between tolerance and happiness in right. a dog. And so we have to teach that, that just because your dog puts up with something today mm -hmm. doesn't mean they'll put up with it tomorrow. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you should even put your dog in the situation to put up with anything yeah. because I'd rather have the dog be super stoked about interactions instead of like, Oh God, here she comes again. Right. Right. And so, yeah, maybe they'll be best friends eventually, you mm -hmm. know, when your kid is like 12 and old enough and mature enough to do a lot of things responsibly, but it's right. going to be long time yeah. before that can happen. Yeah. And it's okay that they're not going to okay. be best friends and they it don't It is okay. And yeah, it is okay. And no, they don't have to play together on the floor. And yeah. I know it looks really cute and you see it on Instagram, but that does not make it okay. It really does yeah. not make it okay. We really need to shift actually the status quo of how this is all <laughs> excuse me, how it's all perceived on social media. And I, right. and I don't think that big media outlets like the Dodo do anything to help our cause right. because they, I, somebody sent me, people send me stuff all the time, as you can imagine. And yeah. somebody sent me something just the other day of like, you know, this dog and boy are best friends. And, and if you really look at the subtle body language of the right. dog, 
you know, the dog, yes, the dog is choosing to be with the boy. The dog could leave, but we don't know the other compelling circumstances. But maybe it's that the dog wants to be close to the adult who's videoing the thing in the first place. That There's a whole lot of subtleties there. Um, But in any case, I, I do think that it would be great if we can get people talking and modeling more appropriately so yeah. that new parents who, who really just don't know, they don't know what they don't know. Right. And they also don't know who they can trust. And so right. to kind of, gosh, eliminate some of this dangerous stuff that they keep seeing because yeah. they're people, mo- they repeat what they see model, just like our kids do. Mm-hmm. And so if you go up and you hug your puppy and woo 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 and give kisses and boop on the nose, what is that? You know, oh my God, like people are going to get their faces bitten off, right? And kids are going to copy what they see their parents doing. So great. If you want to snuggle your dog or give your dog giant sloppy kisses, do it when your kid's not watching, (laughs) you know, and make sure your dog actually likes it, but make sure your kid's not watching because they're going to repeat what they practice. And random people who are about to have a family with dogs and kids are the exact same way. They're going to copy what they see on YouTube and- yeah, and not only will that toddler potentially, you know, mimic it with your dog, but they may go up and do it to a strange, strange dog, right? Absolutely. So, absolutely, uh, or a friend's dog. I see dog. that a lot, actually. Yeah, that um, that people don't understand why so the dog on the trail growled at their child, yeah. when, and I'm like, well, you can't turn your your child into this magnet to all dogs. Yeah, like that's really a dangerous proposition. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So. Um, Back to how trainers can better support um, new parents or parents that are struggling with kids and dogs. Um, How can trainers better accommodate uh, parents in the training process? Like you kind of hinted on this earlier and how, you know, you tend to assign a bunch of homework and you want to like shift their entire like lifestyle or living situation. Um, But obviously there's a lot of limitations when you're a parent, uh, just like mentally, you have like no mental space. (laughs) Brain fog is real, man. Or energy, yeah. Mom brain so, is a thing. So first, all trainers need to know, if you're not already a parent, that mom brain is a real thing and that we turn stupid. It's it's not that we're incapable. We just don't have room yeah. to hold too much information at a time. Yeah. So I would say that content needs to be bite-sized. It needs to be in multiple forms because this is me, of course, coming from from a teaching background here, Mm -hmm. but people digest information in different ways. So just as this will become a audio podcast only, it is also a video. So there Mm -hmm. are people who need to see to learn, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's probably, you know, there may be a transcript or whatever, but the idea that you provide people with information in a variety of different ways so they can digest it the best way that works for them. Mm -hmm. But also realizing too that, for example, so I have, I have a membership for, for parents and um, it's really funny because I, I ask them regularly, like, okay, are you, do you like the videos, the short training videos, or would you prefer to download the audio for those and listen to it? Like when you're in the car or whatever. And, and, you know, the, the feedback that I get consistently is we need subtitles because we're often watching things while we're nursing the baby or while our husband's asleep or our wife or our partner's asleep in bed. And so I have to be sneaky. I maybe watch it when I'm in line at the grocery store and I don't want everyone listening. So subtitles are important. Um, 
but I'm squeezing it in between. Like I said, like the heating up the tea in the microwave, I'm literally squeezing bits and pieces wherever I can. And so we just have to make sure that our content is appropriately sized mm -hmm. so that it's, it's doable in the way that a busy parent literally just functions because right. as we get through the day, it's not, it's not how it used to be. You know, it's not just, I'm going to sit down and work for two hours and then I'll get up and stretch. And then I'll take the dogs on a walk. Like you don't have these long chunks anymore. Every right. single thing is punctuated by a screaming kid, a diaper change, a hungry, whatever. Mm -hmm. And anyway, so I, I would say that the number one thing is to understand that compliance may not be what you expect. And you really have to be patient about that mm -hmm. because they're doing the best that they can. And the fact yeah. that they even called a trainer in the first place is a really great thing. Yeah. And so take small wins. And um, there was one other thing that I, oh, you have to be compassionate. You have to understand that these people are being torn in a thousand different directions and you have to be kind mm -hmm. because mom guilt is a very legit thing and people and even as trainers we know this as dog moms we have dog mom guilt or dog dad mm -hmm. guilt we have dudes on here hi um but in any case you you know you you wish you did more i wish i trained my dog more i wish i practiced this more right? There's, there's always those re little regrets and I could have, I should have kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's even worse with a human baby. Mm -hmm. And so they have both, they have the dog and the kid. And in many cases, the dog was their first kid. So they have tremendous guilt over the fact that they are neglecting their first baby and not bonding with their first baby. And maybe the dog is jealous or acting out, which is totally reasonable. And and expected. Um, but then they worry about the baby baby because the baby suddenly takes first priority and it's not a choice. It's some weird biological thing that happens. And you may hope or think that, oh, things won't change, but they will. And so you just really have to know that about your audience and your people that they're doing the best they can and they don't know what they don't know. Right. And so you have to be available to them with just a big warm heart and kindness because they will shut down if they feel judged. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I can relate. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. Yep. And so even just knowing that other people are in your situation yeah. somehow, it's not a, it's not entirely like a misery loves company situation, but it, but it kind of is, but it is nice. I mean, I have a Facebook group just for parents of kids and dogs there are a few trainers that sneak in there, but it's not for trainers. Yeah. Um, but it's really for people to just, and, and it's really cute how they support each other. And they're like, oh, here's how I help my dog walk next to the stroller. It was really scary at first, but this is what we tried. And, you know, there's a lot yeah. of venting and a lot of complaining about their partner not understanding or whatever. But it's it's really nice just to know that, you know, there are other people who feel the exact same way as mm -hmm. you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Other than mom brain, uh, is there anything else that trainers kind of often forget or misunderstand about parents? Yeah. I mean, I, I would just kind of reiterate that they don't have as much time to do the homework. Yeah. Oh, I, I would. Yes. One thing that comes to mind actually that I think is really important is that 
you know, I used to teach group classes at a shelter and I, you know, you, you, I taught what I was told to teach and it was great. I mean, there were all the basics, you know, sit down, mm-hmm. wait, you know, all, all the things that people think they need to know. Mm-hmm. But when you start working with private clients and especially families who have children, you realize that, that there's very little context that's given for why you would teach a weight in a class. Right. I mean, maybe they tell you, they tell you real quick, like, this is why we do this it could save your dog's life or whatever. It's a vague thing. But I think if trainers know, okay, I'm working one-on-one with a client and the dog is going insane at the door and you're having a new baby. So I know for a fact, you're going to have way more visitors and way more package deliveries than a normal person because everyone loves new babies. We really need to address door manners for these reasons, right? So, so I want trainers to think about the context in which they teach behaviors. And I don't want uh, the agenda to be trainer determined. I want Mm -hmm. it to be family determined. I want you to dive in and ask a lot of questions and find out what they actually need because what they need may be different than what you think they need. Mm -hmm. And if they don't feel compelled, if there's not a significant reason for them to work on a downstay, they're not going to do it yeah. because it really doesn't matter. What they really need is just a, a, let's say, don't cross that door threshold. They need a wait. It doesn't matter what the dog is doing on the other side of that door. They could stand up, they can spin around, they can leave, but they can't come in and eat the dirty diaper that you just put on the floor. Yeah. So let's find out what they, what the family actually needs the dog to accomplish before mm-hmm. you start, um, coming in with, this is what I teach all puppies, or this is what I teach right. new rescue dog people or whatever, right? Because mm. it, it may not matter to them. Right. What you think matters may not matter. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's really important. Mm. It's definitely explaining the reason why and, and how it applies to their situation and the result yeah. of that, like why. And they'll be more impact. motivated. They'll be more yeah. motivated to exactly. accomplish progress if it solves the problem they have today, mm-hmm. you know, and not some theoretical problem they'll have down the line, right? Yeah. It's like, oh my God, my dog's barking is waking up the baby. What do I do? Okay, let's do that. Let's figure yeah. out why your dog is barking and let's focus on that because I don't want you stressed because your baby keeps waking up. Let's fix that. Yeah. That's where your energy goes, right? You mm-hmm. need to solve the problem that is making their life less pleasant. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so these are the questions that I ask everybody here. Um, what is one tip that you wish you had known when you were starting out as a dog trainer? Oh, you know, I, I mean, I have been a dog person my entire life yeah. and, you know, even back in the days when you know, I didn't know what positive reinforcement training was. So there's a lot of regrets there of like, you know, watching Caesar Milan and all the stuff. Like we all were dumb and you don't know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. So there's that. Um, but I wish that I knew more about consent um, when I was starting out and um, listening to the dog and giving the dog compelling choices that um, make things fun and good for the dog Mm -hmm. and not just about what I want. 
so I think, I think basically it's about relationship strengthening, right? Mm -hmm. I love the bond, the human dog bond. I love that. It, you know, goes to behavior. It goes to like how warm and fuzzy I feel when I'm with dogs. But, um, but I think looking at consent and, um, I think that makes a big difference. I wish I knew more about that when I started. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, what are some common mistakes you see other dog trainers make? I think they rush certain things too much or they get impatient because they're not seeing progress. I feel impatient too. Um, but it doesn't mean that we need to shift our techniques necessarily. Sometimes we have to go at the dog's pace and we need to listen to the dog. And that kind of goes back to the consent situation. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of other dog trainers making mistakes, you know, it's hard for me to say because they know their business and, they do it their way and I'm not going to tell anyone else how to do it. But I wish if I could have a magic wand and wish something, I wish that other dog trainers um, just had more compassion for their human clients. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. It, it's, I don't really know how to explain it. I guess, I guess it goes to the whole parenting thing. Like, mm -hmm trying to understand the circumstances that their client is in and, and focusing on that as opposed to doing some type of pre-prescribed agenda of this is what this package, this package includes X, Y, and Z, yeah. but that may not be what the person needs. And I actually think that most trainers are pretty good at, at assessing that once they're there. I mean, yeah. you have to, you have to change the flow of what you do based on the dog in front of you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. I think just being really as loving as you can to the person mm -hmm. and not just the dog. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you don't connect with the human that goes with that dog, then you know, you're kind of dead in the water, I think. Right. And then the the dog suffers because of it, right? Like they yeah. don't do the training, they don't complete it. So Yeah. So I um, think again it's relationship building, but mm -hmm. with the human you know, and spending the energy on that. A lot of dog trainers, you know, we all, a lot of people joke and there's even shirts like, right. you know, shirts that like say dog is greater than people or, yeah. you know, whatever. And so I, I do actually like, while I think that's funny, I do think that's a very insulting thing to wear if you're working with a client Yeah, because yeah. you ha the person is paying you. And so we yeah. want to make sure that they feel loved and supported and and seen as yeah. well, but I get it. I mean, it's totally funny. A lot of people go into dog training because they love dogs, but the dog lives in a human household. And so um, I think that's maybe the one thing is that I wish that the human part was more cherished mm. than that's a good only way to put it. Dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, um, but you have online courses and a membership. So tell us a little bit about how that works. Um, yeah. Well, the pandemic has, the pandemic has given me a lot of time to get stuff done <laughs> that I always wanted to get done. Yeah. So I, I tried to consolidate some of the most commonly asked topics that, mm. you know, people have. And so I put together, I have two online courses that are on demand that are just available. They're evergreen. And I do have an affiliate program I just set up like two weeks ago. So nice. if anybody does not feel like this is in their wheelhouse and they just want to refer out, you get, mm -hmm. I think it's 30%. Wow, so nice. 
anyway, if anybody's interested, but one of them is called preparing dog for new baby. Mm. So that's one class. The other class is called parenting toddlers and dogs, because as you know, mm-hmm. the second your kid starts moving around, the dog is like, it's a whole different ball game. And that's really when we see a lot of growling, chasing, yeah. nipping, a lot of really inappropriate inappropriate behaviors, but they're actually because the dog is scared or uncomfortable. And so we have to fix that. So those are two online courses. I'm about to teach a live workshop, but I plan on selling the recording of it when it's over. And that's just going to be a one little workshop um, called your first week home with baby and dog. Mm. And I have a workbook that goes with that. Um, So those are my three sort of evergreen they will be you know just things that anybody can refer out to and then i I do have a membership for parents it's called thriving parents of kids and dogs and it really is it's basically bite-sized training tips and family bonding activities Mm -hmm. that strengthen the family relationship with the dog and so what we do is we have a monthly theme which is a a behavior-based theme. So for example, barking or biting and chasing, or um, what are we doing right now? We're doing visitors and door manners right now. Mm. And those are, they're based on topics that parents specifically, parents have challenges with because they interrupt family life, right? Um, and then occasionally I bring in guest speakers. We, I have someone I'm, I'm doing a a recording with on um, safe, Uh, hiking with the whole family, Mm. right? Because there's a lot of safety issues with other dogs and off-leash dogs and how do you keep your kids safe and things like that. Mm. So it's it's a really fun thing. And I've got people who are pregnant and I've got people who have kids up to age 12 all in there together. Um, But it's really fun. All the trainings are small and brief and um, Pippin wants to say hi. This is Pippin. Hi, Pippin. Oh, his head disappeared. So cute. <laughs> He's really cute. Um, I really love that. It's really fun. We have we have coffee and cocktail chats for support because awesome. I, I jokingly say to people that it's one part parent support group and one part on call dog training. And yeah. so I have live Q and A's and things like that where if they've got an issue unrelated to the topic of the month, that's okay. And, and, you know, I'm there for them and they love having somebody that gets it because I'm a mom. I mean, I get it. I did all of the things they're going through right now. Right. You know, I've multitasked, I've juggled work, I've juggled kids. I've, you know, all of those things. So, um, yeah. So those are, those are, and then of course I do consults. So, you know, I'll see clients one-on-one over video, um, help families bring in new puppies and, you know, all of that, how to set them up for success. But, um, yeah, so I'm really excited though about being more flexible about the online services that I offer because I feel that if somebody likes me and wants to work with me, then geography is no longer a limitation. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's so much fun. Yeah. Because then I can help people, whoever needs it, whoever wants to work with me, then um, I can help that way. So, yes, yes, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It was uh, wonderful having you here. Thank um, you. And I will definitely be following your stuff because Good. I have kids and dogs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, I know. I've got to get you into my free Facebook group. It's called Parenting Kids and Dogs. So go on in there. It's, it's, I like it in there. Yeah. And I think as my daughter gets older and is more able to engage with the dogs, I'd like to set them up to be successful uh, even more. So yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a lot more that can happen when they're 
developmentally capable of following directions and right thing and stuff. And it's hard if you're not a teacher, you don't necessarily know what happens when and when they actually no, I, are capable of stuff. So yeah, I Google regularly. <laughs> the Googles are great. The Googles are a good tool, but it's know. also nice to trust who you get the information from. Too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what um, parents did before the internet. Uh, that must've been fun. <laughs> Yes. Um, tell us where we can go and uh, find all your awesome stuff and resources. Thank you. Okay. So my website is poochparenting.net. I'm Pooch Parenting on Facebook and Instagram. And yeah. And then, you know, if you're curious and want to look at the waiting list, at least for my membership, it's called safekidsanddogs.com. Mm. Um, and then you can just message me through Instagram or Facebook if you want to be an affiliate, if you have people who come to you who, um, you know, are pregnant or who have little kids. If that's not your wheelhouse, if you don't want to get into it, if it's if it's not your comfy, happy place, then you can send them to me and I'll take really good care of them. But if you want to be an affiliate, just let me know and I'll get you at it right away. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It was thank great you. having you. Thank you so much. Thank you again for listening to the Modern Dog Trainer podcast. If you're listening to this podcast in December of 2020, I have good news. The Modern Dog Trainer Academy is now enrolling. This is a 12-week program with live coaching. This program will guide you through the best practices for a modern-day dog business that suits your ideal lifestyle, income goals, and impact level. This is ideal for professional dog trainers that are making $1,000 or more from your dog training business currently, but want to make six figures. If you're interested in joining us, go to moderndogbusiness.com forward slash academy. We'd love to have you.